The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. Um, we're going to pray and get into this. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. So if you want to start flipping there, scrolling there, however you get there. If you don't have a Bible, this has been a oh, sorry, welcome. I'm Ryan, I'm your pastor. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles in the back for you. They look like this. There's some in the bookcase, there's some in the back table. If you don't own a Bible, this is our gift to you. Please take it. It's the only time I think a pastor will tell you to steal from church, and it is A-OK. I'm going to pray. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. We're almost to the marriage week, and, um, and I had a question from Q&A last week that it didn't answer because it really fits into next week, but I'm going to probably answer it during Q&A today. If you're new, you can also text questions in to that number on there, and we will do a brief Q&A at the end of this, or if you don't want it to be answered in Q&A, just text a question and say, can you please just email me or text back a response, and I will do my best to get back to all the questions. So let's pray as we get into God's Word. Father, today is a day where we could read this passage and walk out of here with only more rules and only more laws as a burden, or we can read this passage today about wisdom and time and wine and alcohol and walk out of here not burdened, but understanding what your purposes are for giving us guidelines and roadmaps to life. So I pray, Lord, I pray with all of my heart for people that have a tendency toward, uh, toward living very churchy lives, that today they wouldn't walk out with check boxes and burdens that would make them weary, but that we would all walk out feeling and experiencing the freedom that Jesus gives us and understanding why he wired the world the way he did. Lord, give us eyes to understand this passage. Help me to speak only your words. Lord, change lives today in Jesus' name. All God's kids said. I'm parched because the AC wasn't turned on. I snuck up during the music part. I'm sorry if uh, some of you are super hot. There's only like the tiniest bit of juice in those communion cups. Ephesians 5. We're going to be in uh, verse 15 really to 21 quick little passage today. This is in the context that we're in the end, coming around to the end of the book of Ephesians. We're looking at who we are in Jesus. Today we are going to see that in Christ, only in Christ, not on our own, in Christ, we can be wise. So everyone say, I am wise. Not a wise guy or wise gal or wise um, donkey, just wise. Look carefully then how you walk. Not unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. We're going to stop right there. Because the next verse, next week, is when I get into trouble. Because next week, the first two words are wives submit. And if wives, if you're like, I'm not even coming next week, I just want you to know up front, I'm going to be way worse on the guys. Okay, so don't Q&A for next week's questions. Only Q&A for this week's questions. This passage we have to understand that in Christianity, it is so easy to look how other people walk. In life, it's easy to look how other people walk. Has anyone found it so easy to listen to a sermon 
in, all of a sudden, in your mind, without even trying, you can compile lists of everyone who should have heard that sermon. And your name is like number 99 on the list. Well, if only my wife, my kid, my daughter, my neighbor, my dad, my uncle, my mother. And then all of a sudden, like, maybe there's something I could get out of this. I, if, if your dad needed to hear the sermon, or your mom or your spouse, you probably needed to hear it more. But there was a little twist. So this is why Paul is telling us this new life that we have, this new life that is in Jesus. Now, I don't want you to get this confused with being a, a kind and good person following God's morals. This life in Jesus means all of the things we learned in Ephesians chapters 1 to 3. That God loved you radically, that he has a one-way love that crashed into earth, and he said, you are mine, and now I will be yours. And this is not by how good you are, it's how, how good I was in the flesh when I came and died for you. So that if you don't get that piece, if you still are here and you're still thinking, okay, wait, Christianity is about me being the best person that I can be. Yeah, yes, it is, but that's not how you become a Christian. Christianity is about me being morally good. Yes, it is, but that's not how you become a Christian. That's not even how you stay a Christian. The only way to become a Christian, stay a Christian, walk as a Christian, is every day to tilt your heart to have faith in Jesus. Romans 14 says, without uh, faith, it is impossible to please God. And then, in, uh, and then the Bible says, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. So literally, our job is to believe and have faith. Now, some of you are thinking, this is way too easy. It's, I've, I grew up in the church. I know. We just read the passage about not getting drunk with wine. By the way, that's not a moment for like all the whiskey and beer drinkers to be like, yes, off the hook. It, it, they just didn't have those things then. We're going to talk about wine because I, I know that some of you are just already like, okay, wait, what's he going to say about alcohol? I'm going to say a lot. A little bit. I'm not going to say very much. Because this sermon's about you guys, not me. I don't want this sermon to confront my issues. So look carefully how you walk. Not as wise, but unwise. So this is the first thing. If you're in Christ, when it says look carefully how you walk, here's the tendency that I think I want us to think of our lives as. We can either walk with Christ, where we focus our walk on believing in him, loving him, life being about him, giving thanks to him for all he's done for us, that he died the death we should have died. Now here's how some people interpret this verse. Look at how I walk means I've got to behave and be the best that I can be. I've got to do this and only go here and not be seen there and not be seen with these people. Now, I don't want to say that those two aren't going to intermix, but if you're focusing on your external behaviors rather than your internal attitude toward Jesus, you will eventually become what the Bible calls a legalist or a Pharisee. And you will eventually feel the burdens of trying to constantly be a good person. The burdens of trying to constantly say, I've just got to be nicer. I've just got to give more. I've just got to love, love. And i just got to never do anything bad. I can't drink more than one glass of wine. I can't go here. I can't be seen with them. And all of those things can become burdens. Now, they're not bad things, but when they become the main thing, that turns our heart the wrong direction. So be careful how you walk. Don't walk as unwise people, but as wise people. As people who say, what is the most important thing in my life today? And if it's Jesus, you're probably walking a good path. And here's where it gets hard for us, because we in our culture, we're addicted to juggling. Here's what we do. I can't juggle, otherwise I would have done a living illustration. But we juggle our relationships, and then we juggle work, and then we juggle carpooling to kid, our kids to school, Mm-mm-mm. and then we juggle hobbies, uh-uh-uh-uh. and then we juggle our bank account, and then we juggle friends, and then we juggle therapy, because this is getting a lot to juggle. 
and then we juggle church, and then all of a sudden, we're starting to juggle so much, what are the first things we drop? We drop maybe reading our Bible, maybe spending time in prayer, maybe actually loving our neighbor. Maybe we drop church because it's convenient. Because we, if we drop work, we don't get to pay our bills. If we drop our life with our kids, then our kids' therapy bill is going to be high when they grow up. If we drop the way we give our spouse attention, then we have to live in what some of you are unfortunately in, like a, a state of misery and trials and difficulty because we haven't poured into our spouses. So we drop the things that are okay to drop culturally. We drop church. We drop Bible. We drop God. We only go to him when we really need him or something uh, grave happens in our life. Man, I, I just got to say like this morning, as this was all going on, I was like looking at faces of people singing. And those of you that prayed um, for the family last week um, that we talked about, that was the dad right here. So before anything happened, we had scheduled Jeff to sing a song called Grace on Top of Grace. And, uh, and I don't know how you got through that, man. I don't even know if you're in here anymore. But, uh, hey, I don't know. I was like watching the last song, You Won't Relent. I was, I don't know. But, but I'm watching this and I'm thinking, you know who gets grace on top of grace right now? That guy. You know who is overwhelmed by the love of God right now? Jeff. Jeff doesn't even need the sermon today. He doesn't. Uh, Jeff, you can leave now. Just go. Man. Just go. Just go, go over to the cherries or whatever. I mean, because you know what I can say today that's going to encourage Jeff to love Jesus more? Probably very little. Like his love tank for Christ is through the roof right now. I just want to hang out with him so I can get some of that juice overflowing on me. Some of us have been so unwise We've dropped the things that actually get us to love Jesus, and we've replaced them with things that churches in the world tell us will get us to be happy. So I'm going to go through and sound like a legalist for five minutes, someone who's more about oppressing people with rules rather than freeing you in Christ. I want to free you in Christ so you can see why the rules are good. So don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Make the best use of your time. We only have 168 hours in a week. Isn't that weird? I feel like we should have more. Because let's say you work 50. Let's say you work uh, or you sleep 50, give or take, like seven point something hours. Um, you already lost 100 hours in the week. You've only got 68 left. And we haven't even eaten bacon yet. This is tragic. So I, I wrote out one of my weeks because I wanted to see, okay, how am I doing? I've done this before. I do it a lot because I want to make the best use of my time for Jesus, for loving our world and community. So 10 hours driving. I don't even drive that much. But over 10 hours driving. Eight hours, including all bathroom activities, like showering, shaving, bathroom activities. Twelve hours eating. That only leaves me with 30 hours left. 30 hours left. And I haven't even watched TV or gone on the internet yet. If you look at averages, it's about seven hours of media internet a day, and then seven hours on television a day or movie shows. If it averages out over a week. So that's 16 hours left. 16 hours for hobbies laundry, cleaning the house, making meals, date nights, playtime with the kids, mowing your lawn, praying, serving your community, volunteering. And, and this is if you don't have to be one of the moms or dads that sits in the car line. If that's you, you've got like two hours left on only three hours of sleep that you usurped while sitting in those horrendous little pictures of hell on earth. 
So, so what are we to do? How do we walk wise? How do we make the best use of our time? Someone told me today, and I told them when they said this to me. I, I gave a, one of the teenagers homework because I, I was at GLOW this week hanging out with the teenagers. And I said, hey, did you do your homework? And they said, I didn't have time. And I was like, oh, you're going to get so picked on this sermon. Okay, so here's, here's time. Because this is what it's going to come down to at the end of this. If your life is all about you, then you might not have time to do a lot of things. But if your life becomes about what Jesus said, God and others, then you have time to do a lot of things. And if you stop trying to juggle everything, but instead ask one simple question, and this changed the way that I viewed my time management. Instead of saying, how can I juggle in God time? Instead of doing this illustration, I said, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm changing my life. I don't like this picture of juggling. It's depressing. It's hard. It's exhausting. I feel like I'm a gerbil wheel. I'm going to try to see what happens if I just say, Jesus is at the center, and now instead of juggling, I'm a wheel. Jesus at the center, and my spoke here is work. How can I bring Jesus into my work? My spoke here is commute. How can I bring Jesus into my commute? My spoke down here is family. How can I bring Jesus into my family? And it, and it sounds really simple, and, and even pastors have been saying things for years. Get God at the center of your life. But if you're like me, I'm a visual person, I literally go, God, center of my life, in my tummy. Like, God should be here in my heart. I never just put it in the most blanket, simple, pragmatic terms until I, I was tired of juggling and playing the church game. Okay, put Jesus in the middle. And whatever the spokes of your life are, attach those, whatever the juggling pieces, attach those to the spokes. And say, how can I get more Jesus into this area? And then, all of a sudden, Jesus didn't become a burden. I was like, oh my gosh, my commute. I used to listen to the news. No wonder I was so angry. Now I just listen to music that's about Jesus or a podcast about Jesus. If you don't know what a podcast is, um, Google it. If you don't know what Google is, I don't know. I don't know. Hang out with a child. That's <laughs> yeah. legal. Like, don't grab, like, one of my kids and be like, oh, the pastor said a child. I'm taking you home. Don't do that. Dangerous. Okay. But, but, but ask yourself, how, how can I connect Jesus at the center because here's what wise walking looks like. Because then it, here, things are going to change. The days are evil. Do I need to remind anybody that the days are evil? It doesn't matter if you're watching Fox or CNN. Like they're drumming up evil. It's like they're at the bottom of the scum pond saying, let's find as much evil as we can. And let's just frighten the junk out of everybody. I've got this new phrase, because the days are evil. And I like it because it sounds like a cuss word. And as a pastor, I'm not allowed to cuss legally. Um, but I have this phrase that I did, um, and this is while drinking um, whiskey and doing a, like a Facebook Live video on racism because I needed to like, ah! I said, you know what we need to do, guys? We need to love the hell out of the world. Now, you could say it two different ways. I'm going to love the hell out of the world. Like, go, gee, golly, leave it to beaver status. Or literally think about what that means because I'm a words guy. I want to love in such a way that all of the many pictures of hell are pushed out of the world. This is what we call serving the poor. This is what we call caring for the orphans and the widows. We, when we love the hell out of the world, this is what we call people who, and this is something that I may be wrong on, but when I was asked, what do you do in these situations? What should we do? I don't know what to do in the middle if there's a riot in Tampa, but I do know somebody that I admire. He was a father who started a ministry in Los Angeles, and when he first started this ministry, it was for gangs. And he was a priest, so he had the black collar. I don't have the black collar, so they'd probably just shoot me. But he moved into one of the worst gang-infested areas where he was at, 
and this is like South Central LA. They call it, sorry, they call it South LA now. South Central. He would walk out in the middle of gang fights and just put his arms up and just walk out. I mean, that takes some serious loving the hell out of the world. And he did it over and over and over again. Now, there's this amazing ministry, like the only free tattoo removal place in the country is at their homeboy headquarters. It's called Homeboy Ministries. Amazing. Now, that's what I want to do. And for some of us, maybe that's what love, of, love the hell out of the world looks like. Maybe we're not going to be the ones who are going to organize this massive movement or start this massive ministry, but maybe it means when two people are hating each other for the literal love of God and to love the hell out of the world, we step in the middle and we just say, look, man, I don't like what you're saying. I don't like what what I think you're about to do, so I'm just going to stand here. And if it means I hear crazy racism and and over here I'm, I'm ducking or whatever it is, we just stand and say, I'm, I don't know how I'm going to love this. I don't know how I can even love in this situation because I don't. And all I think about, it's my day job to think about how can I love people with Jesus. And I think, how do I do that? Because do I want to be nice to a white supremacist? No. I don't. Do I want to engage with somebody that literally comes to rallies with helmets and sticks? Not really. Like, this is built for thinking. I'm not a fighter. Well, not anymore anyway. I've got a big Bible. Could hit that one and open it for that one. Stop it! Read it! I don't know if that would work. You guys, the days are evil, so how are we going to make use of our time? How are we going to walk as the wise? Here's bottom baseline, what it means to walk as wise before I get into alcohol. Aim everything in your life at Jesus and have the faith to believe. Have the faith to believe that when you do that, the other pieces will naturally fall into place. It is so easy to try to build our way to Jesus. All I want you to do is have faith in Jesus. And you're thinking, but I got to do something, pastor. First, do that. And then keep doing that. And then notice what happens when you are single-focused on Christ, you'll automatically start to do the things that the Bible lists. You'll automatically want to give. You'll automatically want to step in the gap because Jesus stepped in the gap for you. You'll automatically want to lift up the orphans because you were an orphan and Jesus came and adopted you. You'll automatically want to find the poor and say, how can I help? Because you were the poorest in spiritual condition you could have been in. And Jesus came and said, I'm going to give you everything. So, so aim at him. And, and some of you are thinking, that seems so weird. Like if I just believe, then other stuff will happen? Yeah. I know you think it sounds weird, but think of it with romance. I love always going to romance. Is anyone like newly in love in here? I guess you can't. Will you even raise your hand? Because I've already like picked on so many people. The newly in love people are so beautiful to watch. Because they're, they've got the googly eyes. You know the googly eyes? You know what I'm talking about? Um, school started. There's all these crushes I hear whenever I'm around kids now. Ah, I got a crush on this. Ah. I have a strict no dating policy for my children until they collect Social Security. <laughs> Which is a win if you think about it, because Social Security is not going to exist by the time they're there. It's funny. That's a funny political joke. <laughs> but I, 
thinking about all this, this Twitter patient of love and romance. And when you love somebody, you don't have to think, like, how am I going to, like, bless them and make them love me? What can I do? Like, you don't have to, like, it's not energy. It doesn't take energy. It's joyful. It's, it's happy. So if, you, like, if you're married right now and you don't want to make your spouse happy, you need to stop and look at everything that he or she has done for you. Hopefully there's some merit there. That's why you married them. But this is what we do with Jesus. We don't just say, I'm going to go live for you and do all these amazing things, Jesus, and then you will accept me. No, you just look and say, okay, you did everything I needed. You died when I should have died. You were perfect, and I could never be perfect. You rose from the dead and conquered death so that now I don't even have to be, I can have hope and I don't have to be afraid. God, then you gave me all of your report card and you took all of mine. Stare at that for long enough and all of a sudden you'll, you'll see all of the things that he did for you. What did Jesus do for me? You'll say, oh, if Jesus did that for me and then he went to heaven and then he left what the Bible calls the body of Christ, we are literally his body walking around. What did Jesus do in his body when he was on earth? He stood between people. Literally between two thieves on the cross. He reached down when everyone was going to throw rocks at the prostitute. Now, the law said she should have been killed by stoning. But he reached down and said, whoever doesn't have sin, throw the stone. He, He tells story after story and he models with moment after moment that he came to literally love the hell out of the world. Every time you pray for someone who's sick, illness is a product of sin invading our biological systems. So we are praying that sin would be removed in the way that it's acting. Every time you pray for a marriage to be restored, because our marriages, those of you who are married, you're literally reflecting God's love for the church. You're an image bearer of that. That's next week. But when you pray for a marriage to be restored, you're, you're praying that God will love the hell out of that terrible marriage. When you're praying for your kid to return to Christ after they've walked away, you're praying that the hell that has, that has taken over their eyes and affections for lesser things, that, that God would love the hell. Literally, the love has to flood them until hell is expelled. This is not a self-help project. Only God can do this in our lives. Don't get drunk with wine. Okay, I know a lot of you are fans of wine because Facebook. Being drunk with wine is debauchery. Now, I want to say two things. Most people want to make this verse about alcohol. I don't think it's primarily about alcohol, but I think it is about alcohol, just not primarily. It's primarily about the next part. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing, and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So there's something that gets you singing. There's something that makes your heart become captivated. Alcohol can be one of those things. And if you've been here long enough, you know that I drink alcohol, but you also know that I don't think everyone should drink alcohol. If you have a problem with alcohol, don't drink it. If there's even a question like, I might have a problem, you probably have a problem. And there are probably days where I probably think I might have a problem. So I just say, I'm not going to drink anymore right now. I'm just, but I'm not saying that 
it's a sin because Jesus' first miracle was making 150 gallons, a.k.a. 757 point something bottles of wine, give or take, estimates on a math guy, for a party. His first miracle. Jesus' first miracle is the kegs run out at a party, and Jesus says, I got this. And if you don't think people got drunk off that wine, you don't know humans. 750 bottles for a wedding, which traditionally they would have lasted about a week every single day. And you're thinking, wait, wait, wait. So you're telling me Jesus made wine that somebody maybe got drunk off of? And when I say it that way, I'm saying it for those of you who grew up in the church because this makes you really uncomfortable. Sorry, not sorry. What we have to understand is this. God has given us a level of human responsibility and he's given us wisdom. Is alcohol absolutely terrible for many, many people? Yes. Is it a sin to drink alcohol? Some of you would say yes. If you do, you can text in questions. I don't think it is. Otherwise, I don't think Jesus would have made it. And some people say he didn't make wine. He just made juice. If he just made juice, and if all of the wine in ancient Israel was juice, why are there so many verses about getting drunk? Like how much Welch's does it take to get there? Now, don't clap if you just want to have your glass of wine tonight. Because the passage goes even deeper. It's what fills you. And so many of us, we may not be filled with wine or whiskey or beer or insert sinful churchy thing here. A bunch of us are filled with other things. Some of us are filled with, here's my confession, and I told someone, I didn't want to even say this out loud because I'm terrified that God will take this from me. But as I read this, every day this week, I thought, what's the one thing that I turn to in my life to fill me? I love that you all said bacon. But that's not it, even though hashtag National Bacon Lovers Day is today. Okay, I don't want to get caught up in that, you guys. What I do every day more than bacon, I consume so much caffeine. And And if I'm like, here's what I'll do. I'll go back to my textbooks, my biology, physiology textbooks, sports medicine. I'll just research, and I'll find every twisted way to make it so that I can drink caffeine. Because I need just that little bit. Now, think about this. I'm comparing 45 milligrams of caffeine to the infinite God of the universe who lives in me. God, I can't make it through today. Just one more cup. Oh, wait, I forgot. The God who spoke galaxies into existence is in me and says, I'm here whenever you're ready, Ryan. And I'm like, oh, no, thanks. Rain check God. Caffeine will get me through the day. Or how about my, my anger toward my kids sometimes? My kids know that I love peace. And I've been snippy, snappy lately, and I've been praying it out of me. I've been trying to love that hell out of me. So what do I do? I look at the love of Christ for me. I take that love, I jam it into my heart until it starts squeezing out the anger and the impatience because he, Christ, was patient with me. Christ is being mega patient with some of you because some of you are listening to this sermon saying, I don't really want to walk wise. I don't want to do the church thing. I don't care about how I do my time. My time is my time. No, it's God's time. You're you're a vapor. You're a breath. The flower grows. It fades. That's our life, the Bible says. 
So, you don't want to do all that. You want to keep your time your time. Keep saying that. Keep running on. But if you want to begin to change, look at what God has done for you. Press that love into your heart. And then ask yourself the question, what is making me sing? Because, and I love this. Could you imagine if we did this to each other? It said they, were, they talked to each other. They addressed each other in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Someone says, oh, I'm having the worst day ever. You could just be like, dude, Jesus loves you. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. And then someone could be telling you about their marriage, relationship, work problem. I work so bad. I'm like, I got fired. I'm like, what am I going to do? It's, just, it's a hopeless situation. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I don't know why I sounded like a Christopher Walken-Obama hybrid there. <laughs> or, or we could speak in the songs, in the cultural rhythms that we have. <laughs> I had to write these down because I don't have these songs memorized. You're welcome. That means that your pastor is pursuing Jesus enough to some of this has been squeezed out, but not a lot. You've been running around that dirt all on my name. I want to follow where she goes. I think about her and she knows it. I want to let her take control because every time she gets close, yeah. I don't know. Some guy named Sean Mendez. I looked on the top billboard charts and Google lyrics. You're looking at the truth. The money never lie. DJ Khaled, Khalid, Khaled, I don't know. The money never lies. All money ever does is lie. This guy needs to take a basic class in philosophy. Because you get more money and it says you'll be happy. And what happens when we all got it? I need more money. Somewhere along the way, money stinking lied to me, you guys. Because I was just distressed when I made $24,000 a year. I was just distressed when I was, I got an accidental raise from a church once. An ac- I made $9 an hour to lead worship at the contemporary service and be the high school pastor full-time. $9 an hour at this mega church, And I, I got a raise, 14 cents an hour. And I went and told the executive pastor, I said, hey, thanks for the raise. No one told me. And he goes, oh, well, we didn't mean to give you that. I was like, well, that's demoralizing. <laughs> Money lied to me then because I thought 14 cents meant that I could buy two extra Jack in the Box tacos and I would be happier. Sorry, Jack in the Box is a chain, West Coast thing. Delicious. Miss those chicken sandwiches. When I made all my money all the way up, I, I don't think there's a limit because I've met people who are worth multiple, multiple, multiple millions. And there's a whole book of the Bible called Ecclesiastes where Solomon says, I got everything, and it was meaningless, meaningless. You think you have money? I had more. Meaningless. You think you had sex? I had more. Meaningless. You think you had purpose, power, authority, creativity? I had it all. Meaningless. You think you're cool because you got all these records at your house? I owned bands at my house. All meaningless. He threw parties for 20,000 people a day. He'd kill herds of cows and wipe out vineyards because his parties were so huge because he said, I want pleasure. You think you've had pleasure? You think your little soiree over the 4th of July in Florida is cool? Oh, yeah. Who do you think grew the fields that... Got filled all those corn bag beans that you guys play here. What's that game called again? Cornhole, cornhole. Corn bag beans. I don't even know what I'm talking about. You think that a, a party at Raymond James Stadium would be amazing? Just tiny, small parties compared to what Solomon threw. And he said, meaningless. Money, money, this, this, success, that, meaningless. This is what Ephesians, Ephesians Paul is giving us right now. Get to a place where you actually have meaning in your heart. And part of that is the very last part of this passage we're going to talk about today, which is giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of Jesus. Here's why we give thanks to God, because he is the provider and giver of everything. He is the good and perfect Father who gives us every good and perfect gift. Here's why we do it in the name of Jesus. Without Jesus dying on the cross, we can't approach God as Father. 
So we have to have Jesus take our place and absorb the wrath of God against the sin in our lives so that we can come to God and God says, son, daughter, and you can say, dad. You give thanks to God always for everything. Now that is hard. This week I was doing it. God, I thank you that you've brought me to this place where I'm going to quit watching news. That's me this week. This is my new resolution because I still want to drink coffee. So I'm going to just say news is what's causing me all this high blood pressure and jacked up cholesterol. God, here's what I had to do this week. I thank you that your love will shine more brightly in the face of the evils of racism. That took a while to spit that one out because I'd rather just punch racists. But I can't because of job security. If somebody was racist toward my brother, someone was racist toward any of my friends, I'd punch them. But then on the flip side, I said, God, thank you that your way of of, of pressing love into the hatred of racism, that your way is going to shine more brilliantly because it's more beautiful and effective than just beating people. Here's the thing. I don't think it's as many people as the media is painting out, BTW, but I do think that God's way of radical love and and not violently pressing in is only going to be shown off during this whole debacle. And then the news is going to move on to something else. But if we begin looking for God's way in the midst of this all, and we can start doing that by giving thanks. It's hard to give thanks for things that are against what you believe and feel. But try. Try today to give thanks and see what God does in your heart. See if your ways of wisdom can focus on Christ and not these ancillary things. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. This is from Philippians 2. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his or her own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he, Jesus, was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Father, I thank you for your word. Challenge us, mold us, change us, grip us, focus us on you. Show those of us in here who have been burdened by exterior laws that we are freed in Christ and now we have those laws as a signpost to show us how you've hardwired this world. Lord, I pray for people in here who struggle with time management, that they would manage their time not to get more production out of their life for themselves, but more focus for you. I pray for those in here who are addicted to substances, alcohol, drugs, prescription drugs, uh, caffeine, food. God, that we would that we would take a self Uh, inventory and that we would focus in on how we can be filled with more of you so that our hearts could be gripped by you so that we could sing to you. God, I love you. I thank you for all that you do and all that you are for me in Jesus' name. Amen.